On today's show, we talk about how to love somebody with trauma in their past. We talk about how to love your sisters and your mom and your dad when you're dealing with family illness. We talk to a guy whose marriage is blah, and he's got a kid on the way and he's got some hard decisions to make. Stay tuned. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show. Hope everything in your life is going all right. It's probably not, but it's a good way to start from there, right? <laughs> Why is that? It's probably not everything's probably not going great. I'm not trying to be ugly, James. James just started laughing at me like, oh, wow, way to, way to lift everybody's spirits, idiot. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> you didn't. I saw Kelly just go, wow. <laughs> so good. I, listen, I hope everything's going good, and it's probably not. There's probably something going on. There's probably some economic challenge or personal challenge or family boundary challenge. It's like you might whatever. as well come on and be like, hey, this is the John Deloney show. Your life probably sucks. <laughs> it probably does, but that's all right. That's all right, because we're all <laughs> having lives like that together. But um, whatever. Your life might be wonderful, and if it's wonderful, good. I'm glad it is, and I'm rooting for you. I'm cheering for you. <laughs> Way to go. But someday soon. Just kidding. I'm glad it's going awesome. Hey, if you want to be on the show, we talk about mental health, relationships, good news, Right? Optimism and joy and positivity. I have some good news and positivity. I'd like to hear it. Speaking of your Gibson shirt, I played our mutual friend Cody's Gibson SG, and I'm smitten with it. And so I'm, I kind of get happen? it. I mean, I can't afford them because they're so expensive, but... Oh, here we go with the old, we don't make enough money thing. But hey, listen. Number one, I accept your apology. I, I realized what that was. Uh, no, it wasn't an apology. And I accept your concession. And I, I was so for the listener, James and I are in a new band together. We're incredible. Um, I don't really know how to say that humbly, but uh, <laughs> we're incredible. The chances of us still be being in this show next year is low to quite low because we'll have a pretty incredible record deal. And um, but I do love looking across the room at James ripping on that Gibson SG and your little Fender Telecaster is just tucked nicely in its case. Hey, you you had nice things to say about my Telecaster. Your Telecaster was nice. I actually thought this morning um, it'd be cool if one of our shows you played a Gibson, I played that, and then I thought, I just can't do that. But your Telecaster is really nice. What I'm saying is I think we've come to a mutual understanding about Gibson and Fenders. I feel like I'm at like some big peace conference. Listening to this, this is like a love fest over I here. I feel like we're at one side of the peace conference where somebody has conceded on their side, but the other person's like, I don't even need to concede because I was right all along. Okay. But I am good. All right. <laughs> all right, that's enough of you. Hey, the cool part about uh, James is that he also edits this show. See? <laughs> he edits the show and he just mutes it. And he actually can cut and paste it to where it's like, oh, I love Fender. And he'll just cut and paste it to say whatever he wants. No, so, I don't have to. I Love Fender. <laughs> I see what you did there. Hey, so if you want to be on the show, call. Give me a call. 1-844-693-3291. Uh, you leave a message. Let me know what's going on in your in your heart and your mind and in your life and how we can help. And then Kelly will call you and we'll put you on the show. Or you can go to johndeloney.com slash ask, A-S-K. All right, let's get right to the phones. What's up? Cam in Chicago. Hey, Cam, what's going on? Hi, Dr. John. Um, thank you so much for taking my call. And I just will say that I am blessed and my life is pretty wonderful. So. That is awesome. <laughs> Told you, James. Just kidding. 
Hey, thank you, thank you for putting me in my place. I know that everyone's man. People are doing well right now. It's awesome. So, what's up? How can I help? So, my fiance and I are getting married in October. Okay. And I'm calling because he has had a very traumatic life, hmm. um, and he's doing really well now, and we're really happy. Um, but I know that he never addressed any of his traumas in counseling or anything like that. So I'm kind of worried that his traumas might manifest in some way in our marriage. Um, is that something I should worry about? If no, how can I stop worrying? And if yes, how can I help him? Awesome question. Hey, dude, thanks for loving that guy. That's so good, man. When are y'all getting married? October 30th. Oh, man. So it's coming up sooner rather than later, yeah. huh? Very yeah. cool. Okay. <laughs> so what kind of trauma? Um. Everything under the sky. So <laughs> I've heard you talk about the the ace. Mm-hmm. Um, the yeah, aces. Yeah, that's right. And I I looked at it and I had him look at it with me and I knew before showing it to him that he was going to be high on it because he's told me a lot of things. But what was his he, score? He's a nine out of ten. Whoa! <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Whoa! So everything under the sun, literally. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And he's an amazing guy, huh? Oh my gosh, yes, he's 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 incredible. So, what would what would if you were telling a story about him, what would you attribute that connection between a nine out of ten? So, for those who don't know, the ACEs score, the Adverse Childhood Experiences Scale, uh, I think it was developed by Nadine Brick Harris, uh, just a brilliant doctor. Um, I think she's the Attorney General now in California, uh, not Attorney General. I'm sorry, the um, Chief Medical Officer of California, just an extraordinary um, practitioner, researcher. Um, what an inc- incredible heart! She she wrote an uh, an awesome book called The Deepest Well. I recommend everybody read that book. Um, but she came up with the I think her and her team came up with the Adverse Childhood Experiences Scale. It's a ten question scale, and it's simple. Like, were you in a house of divorce? Did anybody in your home go to jail? Were you ever abused, etc. And Man, if you have a 9 out of 10, the predictive nature that you are going to have some major challenges, everything from cancers to strokes to heart disease to um, psychiatric issues, et cetera, is statistically through the roof, right? And then now you're calling me, telling me you're going to marry this guy, and he's wonderful. So if you were telling this story, how would you attribute that? What would you attribute his wonderful character and nature to? Um, well, he always says that he always says that him and his siblings had a way of looking at the adults in their lives and like taking it as an anti example. Um, so that was, that's sort of what he says. I, I'm not really sure. I mean, he met the Lord like last year and, and got baptized. Hmm. Um, so he has a spiritual foundation. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. Before that, he didn't at all. Like he didn't even believe in God. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, so that's I've noticed like a really big change in him since then. Okay. So that's awesome. How old are you guys? um, He's 29 and I'm 27. Okay. Wow. Almost 30. Wow. Wow. So here's a couple of things. So if if I'm if I love somebody who's got a nine out of 10. It's, it's someone who I'm married to, one of my best friends. I would look at that as highly predictive um, 
but not prescriptive and meaning not predetermined, right? So there is a, the recipe, all the ingredients are on the table for some challenges downstream. Okay. Um, And it's something that I would highly, if I love this person, I would highly recommend that, um, that you create a life that would be supportive and preventative. Okay. Um, sometimes trauma pops up in weird ways, like after your first kid or after you get fired for the first time, or there's a big catastrophic event, whatever that looks like. And sometimes people are just resilient and strong and powerful, and they've got great people in their lives and they've got a good spiritual connection and they really take care of their bodies and they sleep well. And so those of us who don't have a nine out of 10 on the scale, what we end up doing is we flinch every time they're in our presence. And nine out of 10 is, that's a lot. Most of us um, have somebody that we love whose parents were divorced or who may have experienced abuse or maybe had, um, were sexually assaulted in college or were in a bad car wreck. And what we do is we, we anticipate in that person's life. And almost create a self-fulfilling prophecy where we touch – like we walk around with velvet gloves. We don't want to ever disturb. And so we keep secrets or we don't want to bother them so we hold on to stuff. Or we're really struggling but we don't want to burden them because they've had a hard life and whatever. And so we hold on to this stuff. They sense that gap and then their alarms kick back up, the old alarms that kept them alive. Does that make sense? And so what you don't want to do is to create a self-fulfilling prophecy where you spend your life looking at this person that you love through a magnifying glass, looking for evidence of trauma from childhood emerging, thereby creating a relatively tense home where you keep secrets from each other. You don't tell him everything. You don't lean into it. You don't demand that he be a great partner and a great husband and somebody who shows up and somebody who works hard so he doesn't get fired. All these things – Um. Because the past becomes this excuse, and I love the, the, the phrase, your past is a context, it's not an excuse, right? It gives you some ideas to why you may have an over-inflamed body. You may not um, default to good sleep. You may withdraw when something gets heavy. You may have impulses towards anger or frustration or addiction, but that doesn't give you an excuse to then go down those paths. Does that make sense? Yeah. So here's what's going to be really important for you guys. Number one, you got to be really clear with one another, real clear, super honest. And I would recommend, I don't know how you can get more honest. I would recommend you guys having a default setting of honesty and connection now. Have you all gone through any sort of premarital counseling? Um, We have met with our priest like a couple of times, but I was planning on signing us up for like actual counseling with a counselor. So think of it as um, this. You've got a family history of heart disease and obesity. And what you're going to do at an early age, um, you're going to graduate college, and you're going to be more attentive probably than most to not eating foods out of packages, to eating healthy whole foods. You're going to be intentional about moving your body and exercising, right? So because you know you've got this stuff in – got the ingredients in the fridge, right? And you don't ever want to just start making it. Same thing here. So you can set up preventative counseling, and what it is is just learning tools. He doesn't have a model of what a healthy marriage looks like, and you might not even either. Even though you may not have a 10 or a 9 on the ACES score, you may not have a good picture of it either. 
So what y'all are going to do is you're going to go learn new tools. It's like y'all taking a karate class. We're going to learn to be ninjas. This is going to be learning how to be married, right? And it's not because you're broken, not because you're dysfunctional. You're just learning new tools. And then you're going to really default to creating a life early on where sleep is important. Friends are important. Exercise is important. Gratitude journals where y'all tell each other what you're grateful for. Um, really being intentional with your spiritual communities, right? And then you, you not trying to protect him from your heart, your thoughts, your needs, your fears, your concerns. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Have you found yourself doing that in your relationship? Um, I, I don't know if I have been trying to protect him, but I would say that I sometimes do like think like, oh, is this a manifestation of his trauma? Like projecting that onto him kind of, um, and do you, do you see I, how that becomes a self-fulfilling loop? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Where you project it, um, and then he thinks, no, it's not, and now there's a gap, and then he goes back to some old habits to try to solve that gap, to which then you go, there's the trauma, and then the loop just gets bigger and starts spinning faster and faster, right? right. And so it's you trusting when you ask him, hey, you doing okay? And he goes, I'm doing awesome, that you go, great, and you don't f- start reading into that. Right. Or if you, yeah. he says, I'm doing awesome. And then you can then say, you haven't come to bed the last three nights and you've been sleeping on the couch and you're playing a lot of video games. And since we have been to counseling and we know that withdrawal is one of the things that sends you down a tough path, you're start. I feel you starting to withdraw from me. Right. And that he can not respond in anger. You leave me alone. But he says, you're right. I'm withdrawing. And then y'all can be right in the middle of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. That way there's no projection. There's you being honest. There's he being honest. And y'all are just in it and moving on. Yeah, that makes sense. And to his credit, like, I should have said this earlier, but he really has done, like, a lot of work on himself, like, trying to cultivate a lot of, like, awareness of what he does and, um, you know, sort of his his toxic thought patterns. Oh, see, um, see, and I— since this calls about you, really, I know you're calling about him, but really it calls about you. Um, yeah, he sounds like he – you can't have a 9 out of 10 A score and just dust your hands and shake it off and be like, hey, cool, I'm doing great, right? Uh, everything's so – he clearly has put in a lot of work, which is to his credit. Um, don't Don't superimpose your fears on him. Be honest with them. Put your fears out on the table and say, hey, I would get nervous about this stuff. Um, I want to know what some of your toxic thought patterns are and some of your default settings are so that if I see them, I'd love to be able to put them on the table and say, hey, this is making me nervous or making me scared. It's when you feel nervous and scared and you decide, oh, I, I can't bring this up. That's the recipe for disaster. Or you bring it up and he says, no, it's not. Then that's a recipe for disaster, right? It doesn't sound like that's the trajectory y'all are on. I want you to have peace going into this, and y'all do the work up front when everybody's healthy, everybody's doing good. It's like going to the gym when you feel great, not waiting until you have uh, the flu to start a workout program. But what a great heart. I'm so excited for you guys. Congratulations on getting married. After your wedding, shoot me a note that just says, hey, we got married. All is awesome here in Chicago. And Cam, we will be rooting for you guys. And for everybody listening, two big important takeaways. If you've got divorce in your life, if you've got 
I'm filling in the blank here. Um, family history of addiction, of heart disease, of whatever, of mental health challenges. And you're doing okay. You're doing well. Set up a life while you're doing well that will buffer for when the hard seasons come, right? It's like building your house on a good, strong, firm foundation so that when the hurricanes come, and they will come, it doesn't blow over, right? So you've got a strong foundation for when some of these things come back, right? Ah, good for you guys. Uh, all right, let's go to Jared in Iowa. Oh, oh, I just said two things. That was one. The second thing is don't project. Don't project your fears onto your partner. It, it'll melt them. It'll melt them. All right, let's go to Jared in Iowa City. Jared! What's up, dude? Hey, hey good morning, Doc. Good. Hey, I almost made a Subway joke, and then I realized it's not fun anymore. So, good for right. you, Jared. All right. How old, are, how old are you, man? Uh, 36. Did you get that growing up, Subway jokes? Uh, yeah, maybe the last few years or so. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd been my friend, I would have been pretty relentless with him. Um, but I'm glad we're meeting now on the other end of Jared's Not That Funny Anymore. All right, so what's up, dude? How can I help? Uh, yeah, uh, well, I've got, uh, been married for six years now, um, and basically, I don't like it, um, I, uh, kind of hate being married, um, it's, it's, it's just been a terrible marriage, uh, the whole time, um, we've never really gotten along, it's never been good, um, we've, we've, uh, found out throughout the marriage that, you know, we both kind of thought we made a mistake right after getting married, um, Fast forward to now we're expecting our first child and kind of kind of concerned that uh, as, as to how it's going to how this is going to affect the child and, and maybe get some some of your advice on um, maybe how to uh, uh, better the marriage and and or um, not let it affect our child. Hmm. Man, you said a lot there. Um, congrats on having a kid and congrats on recognizing that the way y'all are doing stuff is going to melt that kid. Right. So when you say you don't like it, it's never been good. When anyone says the word never, I would usually roll my eyes. So help me what never means. It's never been good. What does that mean? Uh, I don't like it. Yeah, basically, um, um, you know, we got married on a Saturday and, and, Sunday, we both thought we'd made a mistake, and uh, you know Monday, we thought maybe we should have gotten an annulment kind of a thing. Um, yeah, but that was six years ago, dude. You're six years past right. that, right? Right, and and it 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 just we do, we don't get along. We uh, you know home is not is not a place where uh, uh, where we want to be together anyway. You know, I mean, why do y'all choose to uh, do that? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I guess from my perspective, uh, I think we should be, you know, living large. Um, we're we're both doing well professionally. Um, no, but for six years, uh, y'all have decided to be miserable. Why have you chosen that? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's uh, it's been tough. So I'm asking you, like, why are you choosing that? Well, I um, I try. I actually try to wake up every day, you know, as a, as a new day, um, you know, with an attitude of, uh, 
you know, hopefully, hopefully it'll be a better day and, you know, try and try and take steps with her to, uh, uh, you know, keep her happy, I guess. So this is all, uh, her, this is all her fault. No, I wouldn't blame it on her. That's not, that's not uh, so. Answer my answer fair. my question, brother. Why have you you got married on a Saturday? You woke up on Sunday and thought, "Whoops!" And then Monday, y'all talked about, "Hey, we think this was a screw." How'd y'all? How long did y'all date before that? Um, dated about a year and a half, and then we're engaged for about a year and a half. Yeah, here's the thing: it wasn't a mistake. It wasn't. Y'all may have woke up on Sunday scared to death. You may have woke up on Monday terrified. Found yourself like on a on a roofing job with no tools, right? Y'all were in the middle of something. You didn't know what you're doing. <laughs> you didn't make a mistake. Y'all made it a a choice after three years together. Y'all thought through this very very well. And now for the last six years, so you got a decade in with this person. Six years, you have this. Well, we shouldn't have. Well, we shouldn't have. And I'm sitting here what listening to you, thinking, yeah, but you did. And so then what? And so it sounds like for six years, you, you guys have actively chosen to not cultivate desire, to not just turn all the lights on and say, what are we doing? Let's get mad in love with each other. It's just been like, well, I'm just trying to keep her happy, and today's going to probably be a good day. Like, and so I'm asking you, you're, you're a good professional, right? You say you're successful as a professional? Sure. Yeah, you're not dumb, right? Are you dumb? Um, no. Yeah, you're not dumb. Are you fun to be around? Do your friends like you? Yeah. Like, do you like music or yeah. sports or things? Yeah, we have a good time, generally. So, <laughs> why, when it comes to your wife, have you chosen for a decade to be less than joyful? <clears throat> not her. Uh, like, why have you chosen that? Yeah, I, I, uh, <clears throat> I guess I don't. I don't think that I've chosen that. I've, uh, like I said, I, I tried, tried to uh, make the best of things. and, and uh, Yeah, I know. Do, do you hear that language? It's like, yeah, I'm not going to have knee surgery. I'm not going to do physical therapy. I'm just going to try to limp the best I can. But you have yeah. actively chosen to not do things to make this thing better. So let me ask you the other side. Why haven't you just moved out? Dude, why don't you just leave? This is your one precious life. You got one. And you've given right. a decade to, well, I just probably shouldn't have. Like, why? <laughs> right. Why don't you just move out? Well, well right. Um, you know, we've, we've had uh, conversations about divorce. I know. Uh, Listen, I don't care about your conversations. Why haven't you done it? Um, yeah, I guess I, 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 value, I value the uh, marriage vows. Um, <laughs> okay. The, so if you, and, so you, va- you value the vows. You value the, the commitment. Awesome. But you don't value the human on the other end of that commitment. And you don't value the guy who made that commitment. You see what I'm saying? Kind of. If you valued you, you would say, dude, I want to be madly in love with you. You would say, dude, we are going to have a marriage of reckless, crazy town sex a lot. We're going to laugh like crazy. We're both going to do whatever we want. Like, we're going to have friends. We're going to have hospitality. We're going to have people over. We're going to choose that life. We're going to dance in the living room. We're going to go out with separate. I mean, we're going to, like, I'm going to hang out with my buddies. You're going to hang out with your friends. We're going to go do other things, right? And it's like, well, we made this vow. So 
I'm just re- resigned to. Ugh. Can I ask you a, a personal? Well, we're asking personal questions. We're already in it. <clears throat> You're not attracted to yeah. her, are you? Uh, yeah, I am. <clears throat> She's beautiful. Are you sure? Yes. Is she attracted to you? As far as I know. Does she think you're dumb? I don't think so. (laughs) Do you hear the question, the answers to the questions? Like it's y'all are in this weird stalemate. Why, why do you think you made a mistake? Like for Um, six years, you've been living with this idea that we just, ah, man, we just made us, we screwed up. Well, it's, it's, um, you know, prior prior to the marriage, you know, as far as dating and, and at the time of dating and in, in engagement, you know, she, we, you know, our relationship was one way, and and um, then after we got married, you know, it, it uh, it's like a uh, switch flipped, um, and now it's the what's, other way. What's the switch? Um, well, you know, again, again, we've we've talked about it a little bit. Uh, I don't care uh, what you talked about. Talk it with me. What's the switch that flipped? She said, she she told me that that um, that uh, when I were married, so <clears throat> um, she doesn't have to be nice to me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well played, well played. <laughs> so yeah. she said, I got married, and now I don't have to be nice to you. I'm going to be mean. And did it affect your intimate life, probably? Absolutely. Okay, so now it's like, ah, oh, I gotcha. So why, if you were writing a story about your wife, why would you think that she is choosing to be miserable? Because just being not kind, choosing to not have great sex with the person you're married to, choosing to not do things with somebody and walk around like, oh, well, I guess we're just... Like, that's a choice to be miserable. Why is she choosing that? Uh, I don't know. I wish I knew. You have known this woman for a decade. You've clearly had sex once because you got a kid coming. Like, you know her. Why is she choosing misery over joy? I I don't know. That's, that's, that's probably the brunt of the issue. Okay, so here's, here's the thing. Have you ever seen, talked to anybody? Have you ever talked to a counselor or anybody like that? Uh, we did the premarital counseling, uh, but nothing uh, while we've been married. Yeah, that that worked that worked out great, huh? Right. Yeah, just a bang up job that one was. All right, so here's the deal. Yeah. Tonight you're gonna go home, and um, when she gets home, then I want you to turn all the electronics off, everybody's phone off. I want you to turn everything off, and I want you to look at your wife and say, "We didn't make a mistake." We've been lying to ourselves and talking crap for a decade now, for six years plus the three we were married. We didn't screw up. We got married. And for whatever reason, not don't project this onto her. Project this onto yourself. Say the words, I have been choosing to be miserable, less than happy, just ho-humming through life instead of choosing to learn desire. To practice desire. I've chosen to go, and I've got one precious life, and I chose to spend it with you, and I value you, and I value me, and I want to completely from the floor up before this baby gets here, because here's the thing. Your baby will absorb all this tension, 
all this mayhem, all this chaos. And if you think it's bananas now, wait till you got a one month old that cries all night and then craps everywhere. Right. All I have to say is you're in it now, dude. And you've got one of two choices. You can run like a loser with a, a leave a pregnant woman alone. And you're not going to do that. The only other choice you have, well, that's not true. You got two other choices. One, or choice number two, is just continue living a miserable, milk toast life. And congratulations, dude. You're going to wake up and be 55. You're going to be overweight. Your knees are going to hurt. Your back's going to hurt. You're going to have headaches. She's not going to like you. You're not going to like her. You're going to look at too much porn. And, and then you're just going to be that guy. Or you can put a stick in the ground and say, today, I am going to do whatever I have to do. Whatever I have to do to not save this marriage, to not make, to love you, to learn to desire you. And that means you're going to have to make a lot of changes in your life. And I want you to invite her in this journey. And probably if she's been sharing a bed with a dude who's like, man, we really screwed up. Should we just get divorced? I don't, I don't, she's going to go, okay, cool, whatever, dude. You're going to have to just start making some of these changes on your own. You're going to have to go all in on you because you can't change her. You can't. But you can tell her, I will not give up on you. And I'm going to start this thing from the floor up. And, and hear, hear me, dude. Why, why do anything other than that? To everyone listening, if, you're, if you've committed your life to somebody, why do anything other then try your just damnedest to be crazy in love. Why would you do anything other than that? It's insanity. It's choosing misery. It's choosing lame. It's choosing... I, I, oh my gosh. Fight for it, man. You go see somebody about low-level dysthymia. You go see somebody about... I don't know, man. Like, I don't even trust myself. You go see somebody about, I'm about to be a dad, and I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm scared about it. I think y'all are both scared. My guess is you both got stuff. You both got models of marriages that aren't great, and so you don't have a good picture of what it looks like. You thought it was going to feel like this. She thought it was going to feel like that. And here's the thing, man. I promise you if I was talking to her, she'd be telling me a story about you. And so your story is about her, but just tonight, enough. Tonight, enough, enough, enough. And dude, you're on a multi-year journey. This just doesn't get fixed next week. And it's going to involve everything from movement to your body to sleep to exercise to changing how you eat to you getting some friends to you go seeing a counselor to you guys deciding we're going to figure out how to love each other recklessly. We're going to practice desire. God Almighty. Don't choose misery, people. Don't. 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 All right, we'll be right back. Dr. John Deloney Show. One of the most common questions I get on my show is, how do you get something off your chest? Maybe it's a deep secret that you've never told anyone, or maybe it's something that happened to you. Or maybe it's something you've done and you're deeply ashamed about it. You're worried because you know bringing this to light is going to cause disruption in every part of your life. All of us, every single one of us, have things both big and small that we need to get off our chest from time to time. And I say this always, secrets will kill you. 
but it's often so hard to know where to start or even how to say these things. Therapy is a safe and effective place to get things off your chest, to learn how to say scary and hard things out loud and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I have personally been blessed to have a great therapist who I can talk to and who helps me get these heavy things off my chest and figure out what to do next. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's convenient, flexible, and suited for your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. You get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time, and it doesn't cost any extra money. Listen, it's time to get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. All right, let's take one more call. Let's go to Megan in Milwaukee. What's up, Megan? How we doing? I'm pretty good, thanks. How are you? We are rocking and rolling. Rocking and rolling. So pretty good. So what does that mean? Tell me what's going on. So my question for you today is how do I set boundaries with my family um, after my dad's cancer diagnosis, being Ugh. the only medical professional in my immediate family? Oh, no. What a great question, and what a miserable place. So tell me about your dad, man. So my dad was such a hard worker. I mean, he was the type of guy that would help anyone out no matter what day, what time, he would always be there. So he was a guy who worked like six, seven days a week, Mm -hmm. never complained, always, you know, how can I help someone? And so this past fall, um, started getting sick, which he is typically never sick. So after a couple of weeks of in and out of the doctors, um, we found out that he had stage four renal cell carcinoma. Oh, golly. So what's the prognosis? Is there a timeline they've given you? So they haven't really given us a great timeline by any means, but like five-year survival rates aren't good for yeah. stage four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, within a couple of weeks of that diagnosis, we found out that um, he had a brain tumor. So it's it's kind of been one thing after another. He was hospitalized for a couple of months, and obviously navigating this in a pandemic has been a nightmare. just kind of the extra layer, exactly. Yeah. And so what, what's, what's your profession? You're a medical professional. Are you a doctor, a nurse, practitioner? What do, you, what do you do? I'm a nurse practitioner. Okay. Yeah, yeah, dude. So here's the – this is a, a simple fix, and it will feel hard. Um, and if anybody – well, it's as simple as this. Do you have brothers and sisters? Who's, who's contacting you? Everybody, mom, everybody? So it's my brother really isn't in the picture right now. He's had his mental health issues over the years. Um, so it's really my sister and my mom. Okay. And pretty much, you know, the calls initially were, what does this mean? How do I navigate healthcare? Right. Kind of the logistical questions. And now the questions I'm getting are more, I mean, for my sister, she's called me numerous times saying, well, when is he going to die? Is yeah. he going to make it till his birthday? Like some of those questions, which of course I don't have answers to. Right. Um, and my mom kind of goes back and forth between, you know, I just hear fear and, you know, being overwhelmed constantly in her voice. Yep. Um, and so she at times is saying, well, he's declining. I think he's going to die soon. Mm-hmm. And then other times it's, 
well, no one's giving us a straight answer, and you guys as healthcare professionals, and so sometimes they get looped into the you of healthcare. <laughs> yeah. And so you're trying, you're trying to offer support while offering information, but yet, you know, especially during the pandemic, like I'm not at these office visits. Right. I've gone to I think one of his visits. I'm around and like I work next door to the facility where he receives his care. So like I'm physically nearby, mm. but the, I think the questions that they have for me, most of the time I don't have answers to, or the answers I have are not, you know, I think, I think for both of my parents, they're thinking that there's light at the end of this, that, mm. oh, well, cancer's not going to be around his entire life. Gotcha. And I'm seeing the other aspect where it's like, he may not be around in the next five years. That's right. And so trying to have some of those conversations while also not wanting to overwhelm my mom and also not having the full, the full story. Cause I'm not at all the appointments. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it's really common for people who do this for a living, what you do to be faced with it personally and have it be unmooring. Because you may have talked to a thousand struggling moms or struggling wives who are looking down the barrel of becoming a widow, right? Or you may have met with thousands of people who get a prognosis that is not good of whatever that happens to be. And then all of a sudden it's dad. And all your academic training and all of your experience goes out the window because that's dad, right? And then everybody handles it differently. Just you describing your mom was a, I mean, that's just ping-ponging through Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's stages, right? Like, I'm denying mm -hmm. this. This isn't real. To, oh my gosh, she's going to die today. To, you people, I'm angry, right? It's just, that's just the, she's in a grieving state. And she will be for the next 18, 24 months until this thing um, probably takes his life. And so I think at the end of the day, the best thing to do is to sit down with your mom and sister and be as honest with them as you just were with me and let them know, hey, I am a nurse practitioner. Um, one of the things I agree to do to people who I love is I will interpret. And so I'll be an interpreter. Um, if somebody calls and says, hey, my kid just got diagnosed with this or I just got this meds, what does this mean? I will say this is what that means to me. Not going to give you counseling care for your kid. I can't be that person for you. I'm going to be your friend, right? I can't be my wife's therapist. I can't, won't be. If she says, hey, I got this homework assignment. What does this mean? Then I might tell her, I might give that homework assignment to a, a client if X, Y, and Z. Um, but I'm not ever going to be her cal. I can't, right? And so I think it's sitting down and letting your mom and your sister know, hey, I'm grieving this with y'all. And I'm not in these appointments. I don't know. And this is my dad. And so I'm not going to be the nurse here. If you're comfortable with interpreting, right? If they can put you on speakerphone when a doctor um, call, uh, is meeting with them or you can step away and come over to a meeting just to interpret, great. But you don't need to be the person telling your mom that dad's got 16 months. That doesn't need to be your job. You need to be the daughter who hugs her mom when your dad gets a bad prognosis, right? Does that make sense? 
Yeah, it does. You know, it's one of those things that I immediately feel like when I'm getting a call from my mom or my sister that I'm taking off the the sister or daughter hat and immediately putting the medical hat on because I know they're a mess. So, and so, you know, you're trying to be like the strong person. And hey, hey not your but job. But on the other hand, I, I right, I, not your you job. know, I'm grieving this with, yeah. with friends and colleagues. Like, I don't feel like I can even grieve this with my own family. So here, a great, great gift you can give your mom and your sister is what you just said. This is my daddy, not one of my patients. And I'm not, I don't work in oncology. I don't, you might work in oncology, but it doesn't sound like you're a cancer doctor. And... Um, I, I don't know. All I know is that my daddy's really sick. It doesn't look great. And I need my sister and my mom. And if we get some news, some kind of medical jargon, I'm happy to interpret. Um, but I just need my sister and my mom right now. And so please don't ask any more medical questions anymore. I don't know. I just don't know these things, but I know that I need you guys. And I think that conversation among Three women who love each other dearly and three women who are hurting in unique and different ways will be really powerful and important. And for whatever it's worth, Megan, I'm so, so sorry that your dad is sick. So, so sorry. Thank you so much. He's a good guy, huh? Yeah, I mean, he he's a guy that he doesn't say much, but, you know, he, he truly, it's, you know, he gives the shirt off his back. He sounds like, like he, a six yeah, to seven day a week working Midwestern male, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, for him, like, obviously, I worry, obviously, the cancer diagnosis in and of itself, I worry about. But, you know, he went from being an independent guy to a feeding tube and a walker. Right. And yeah, yeah. so, I mean, everything's been stripped from him. And the way you just described that is a very clinical way. And that's how you're trained to work through these situations. I want you to allow yourself, whether it's with your husband, hopefully it's with your sister and your mom too. Allow yourself to just sit in the devastation of this powerful, strong man who we, who carried us through life now on a feeding tube, right? There's a part of that that has to be witnessed. You've got to go through that process. Holding this at arm's length like you do with your patients is a recipe for this thing hanging on to you for the rest of your life. And so don't rob yourself of the grieving process. Get right smack in the middle of it. And it will make you an empathetic caretaker moving forward. It'll make you a great sister. But most importantly, you get to be a celebrating daughter of a guy who carried the family through and is slowly, slowly leaving us, man. I'm grateful, grateful for your call. And we'll be thinking about you guys. We'll be praying about you guys. And. I think it's going to be a powerful conversation for you. I really do. And cancer sucks. I hate it. Hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it. By the way, tell your dad that you love him. Make sure you tell him that a lot. Not as nurse Megan, but as daughter Megan. Make sure your dad knows that. Write him a letter so he can read it. Tell him what a great guy he was, what a great example he was, what a powerful example he was, all those things. Let him know. Oh, man. All right, so as we wrap up today's show, let's see here, man. Let's get some good lyrics to wrap up today's show. Oh, man. 
Hey, James, did you ever listen to the the 2011, the Blink-22 record, the Neighborhoods? No. Man. Okay, it's got one of the my favorite guitar riffs of all time. Even through all the metal and punk, it's a slippery, good, really just remarkable guitar riff. One of my favorite songs ever. It's off the 2011 Neighborhoods record. It's a Blink-22 song. It's a very different Blink song. It's called Up All Night, and it goes like this. Everyone wants to call it all around our life with a better name. Everyone falls and spins and gets up again with a friend who does the same. And everyone lies and cheats their wants and needs and still believes their heart. And everyone gets the chills, the kind that kills when the pain begins to start. Did I get this straight? Do you want me here as I struggle through each and every year? And all these demons, they keep me up all night. They keep me up all night. Hey, put the bricks down, everybody, man. Don't let those demons keep you up anymore. Right here, Dr. John DeLuke's show.